NASCAR's finest are buckled up and ready as we go trackside for the command. And here to give the command to set today's Dodge Dealers 400 field into motion is the chairman and CEO of Chrysler LLC, Mr. Bob Nardelli. NASCAR fans, join me and our 2,500 Dodge dealers and our 80,000 employees for the four greatest words in sporting today. Gentlemen, start your engines! All right, it's a new year. Time for another episode of the Upspeed Podcast. Tyler Hill. Don't want to with you as always. Just over a month away, actually less than a month away from the season actually starting because we're going to be doing the class February the 6th. And that's actually kind of where I want to start with this because I guess yesterday was the first time that Fox started airing some promos and showing some clips about uh, NASCAR being at the Coliseum out in LA. And there was a lot of reaction from it, at least from Twitter. Not all of it positive, but I guess if people are talking about you, that's better than them not talking about you, right? I 100%. And, and I will say, like, seeing the track come together, I, th- this could be really cool. I, I wasn't completely against it to begin with. I just didn't really understand it. But if you're going to go, it, it seems like Fox and NASCAR is going on it. And if you're going to, that's what you got to do. So I, I'm interested to see how it all kind of plays out. Yeah, um, kind of seeing the pieces of the track getting put together, kind of getting a sense of how big it's going to be. It looks bigger than I thought it was going to be. And again, you yeah. can compare it to Bowman Gray, some of these short, you know, quarter, half-mile tracks, real bull ring type of tracks. Um, so that's essentially what we're going to get. Um, but yeah, no, I, I give credit to, to NASCAR and Fox for thinking outside the box here. Now, the Super Bowl is, you know, th- there's rumors that it could get moved to Dallas. So hopefully that doesn't happen because that would obviously – cause a little bit of riff with this, um, but hopefully we're good between now and then, and, you know, we can kind of capture that Super Bowl market uh, in the week leading up to the Super Bowl and, you know, get a, get, a, get a lot of new eyes on the sport on a day where not a whole lot of other sporting events are going on. Yeah, it would be it would be really good opportunity to capitalize on, you know, a new era in NASCAR. Yeah. Well, and I'm also glad that, you know, we know for sure that it's going to be the next-gen cars. There was rumors, well, maybe you run the, uh, the Gen 6 because you're just going to end up crashing a bunch of cars. But, you know, this is the formal introduction to this new era of NASCAR. And you want to make sure that you're going to put a product out there that they're going to be able to see on a week-in, week-out basis. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, um, you know, I guess we'll learn more about that track as it can, continues to come together. I'm interested to know, like, for one, how much they spent on it, and two, are they going to do anything else with it, or are they just going to tear it up as soon as it's done? Because that seems like a lot of money to spend on a essentially a one-day show. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, if if it pays off for NASCAR by gaining viewers and, and all that stuff, it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And again, Fox doesn't have the Super Bowl this year, so this is kind of a chance for them to hopefully pop a good number, you know, as the football season is ending. And we transitioned into uh, NASCAR. Yeah. Well, it's been a couple of weeks since we've done a show, and a lot has happened since then, including things that literally just happened moments ago that we'll get to. Um, but a lot of things uh, as silly season continues, or not silly season, technically silly season, um, the silly season and off season continue to roll on. And as we've said multiple times, we haven't really had much of an off season with all the testing and all the news. You know, typically, 
between the championship race and Daytona, there's always a little bit of a disconnect where you have a couple of weeks where you don't hear anything, you don't see anything NASCAR related. Well, that's completely out the window because we're getting things on a daily basis, even now, just over a month before the season starts. Yeah, I feel like, and I was putting the list together of stuff before we started this just to make sure we hit everything. And I was like, wow, we, I mean, we took obviously the time off for the holidays and stuff, but it's like a lot of stuff has happened in this past two weeks. So the last time uh, we recorded, it was during the week of the Charlotte test. And at that point, we knew that NASCAR is most likely going to go in the direction of the, the 670 package for pretty much all racetracks. We didn't know what the spoiler was going to be. Now I fully expected them to keep, to keep with the six-inch spoiler to create a little more drag, maybe slow the cars down a little bit. And to my surprise, NASCAR went full bore and said, we're going to go 670 with the low spoiler, the four inches. So is it going to be completely back to what we had three, four years ago in 2017, 2018? I don't know, but I can tell you this. It's most likely going to be better than what we've had with 550. Well, I mean, I think it's what fans and drivers have been asking for for a few years now. Yeah. More horsepower and, and a smaller spoiler. We yeah. got both. Yeah, because, I mean, I know we talked about it on that episode. We figured, you know, it sounded like we were definitely getting more horsepower, which was yeah. obviously great, but we thought we'd stay with the six-inch spoiler, which was like, whatever, you know? Sure. Okay, we, we'll right. get the more, you know, take baby steps one at a time. But then when they announced that they're going to run with the, the four-inch spoiler, I was like, okay, can live with this. Sure. And you got to wonder, too, if the, you know, that might have been something to assist the teams with cost-saving because obviously this is a new year, new car, you're buying all these parts and pieces. It's already a big financial undertaking. And the less parts and pieces they have to swap out, the more it's going to save them in the long run, which again, that's what this next gen car was designed to do to save these teams money. Um, you know, not initially, of course, but as time rolls on. So the fact that they don't have to keep swapping between, you know, spoilers and spacers and all this stuff, I don't know what that's going to save them, but it's going to save them something. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, and from the clips that we saw from that Charlotte test where they were testing each different configuration, the 670 with the four inch spoiler is definitely reminiscent of what we had pre 550 package. And those guys are getting after it. And again, we've learned not to read too much into a test because it can always look different, you know, once we get to race day. But I was really encouraged by what we saw. I think the fact that Tyler Reddick spun out like 20 times over the course of the day is encouraging because that's something that the 550 package didn't give us was that potential for cautions and guys losing right. it, driving on the edge of control. And of course, NASCAR loves restarts. What creates restarts? Cautions. And so many yeah. times with 550 package, we had these races where the only cautions were stage breaks or one debris caution. So if you really want to generate cautions, give these guys a car that's hard to drive, or is that potential they're going to snap to loose? They're going to wreck which again, you don't want people to get hurt. Um, but when these guys are driving cars that are hard to drive, there's the potential that they're going to step over the line. They're going to bring out the yellow. That's going to create uh, cautions. And what cautions breed? More cautions. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, I think from you know, a fan standpoint, you know, we, I, I always bring this up. Like, I don't want to feel like I can drive the car, if that makes sense. And I want to be like, that you know, we always talk about these are the best drivers in the world. Yeah. Well, if they're they're out there on cruise control because the cars are easy to drive, you know, as a fan, you're like, well, I can do that. Right. But when you get like you said, you know, you have a, a driver like Tyler Reddick who, you know, is a wheel man in of 
and he's spinning out. You know, you hear about other guys that, that are losing control of their car. Yeah, you don't want it to be so out of control that it's unsafe. Yeah. But at the same point, you want the driver to be able to control the car, not the car control the driver. Yeah. And we've got to give props to NASCAR for this because obviously they've been adamant for several years that this is the direction they wanted to go with the lower horsepower and the higher downforce. And, you know, the, the big driving force behind that was attracting new OEMs. So they really had to kind of change their philosophy a little bit by looking at what a 550 product was going to be with the next gen car saying, we can't put this on the track week in and week out. This is not acceptable because those cars are going so slow that weren't able to pass. And, you know, or get new manufacturers. If you're not putting on a good show right now, you're going to lose fans. So I don't yeah. know if this is going to hurt a new manufacturer coming in. And, you know, we talked about Honda. We've talked about, you know, um, uh, what Acura, some of these other uh, car brands that have been rumored to possibly be coming in, maybe Dodge coming back. Um, we don't know what that's going to affect going forward with those. But again, if you don't have people watching, those brands aren't going to want to come into the sport to begin with. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about expanding the brand. Yeah. And I think, I think this is a good step in the right direction of, of giving the fans what they want, but giving the drivers what they want. I mean, yeah. you've heard for the past like three or four years, ever since we went to this lower horsepower, that, look, we want more horsepower. We want X, Y, and Z. And it's like, I the, it got away from that. I, mean, I feel like we're finally beginning to gravitate back to what the drivers want and, and as a fan, what we want. Well, and I think it's been, nothing's been more telling than this kind of shift of everybody saying that, you know, the Xfinity series has become NASCAR's best series because you have the low downforce, you have the high horsepower, you have these guys sliding around all over the place in intermediates and the Xfinity series since maybe maybe it was magnified because the cup series had got away from that type of racing but the xfinity series since 2019 has been phenomenal week in and week out great racing great championship battles all the way until what we saw at phoenix here at the end of 2021 and you know the NFL doesn't want college football to be referred to as the better football product. You know, Major League Baseball doesn't want the minor leagues to be referred to as the better baseball product. You want your top series, the upper echelon, to be treated as the best and most entertaining, best series overall. And it seemed like for a while NASCAR was getting away from that. But now we've shifted back in this direction, and hopefully that narrative kind of switches back over to the Cup Series. You know, that, that's what you hope. You know, and it, again, with a new car, there there will be growing pains. I mean, I'm giddy. I, I don't even lie. I'm giddy about what I've seen so far. Yeah. I, 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 you know, but like we, like you just said a few minutes ago before we started recording, we know not to take a test for you know everything you know that you see as and and again we're gonna we're gonna have growing pains, but I think they've started with the right you know kind of base product, and let's just learn and grow from here. Yeah. Now, it's going to be a learning process, and these teams are going to learn things about the car and what their, their ability to do things to them. They're going to change how the racing goes because that's all, that always happens. But I, we're at least starting off on the right foot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is it's, it's one stepping stone of likely many yeah. um, that, that's going to take us over the next handful of years. So with the shift to high horsepower, low downforce at most tracks – um, that kind of leaves the super speedways with Daytona and Talladega 
and possibly Atlanta, the only tracks that are doing something different. Now, we don't know for sure what Atlanta's going to be exactly. They were tire testing at the end of last week out there, and it seemed like they were running the 510 horsepower package, but I believe a six and seven inch spoiler tested a few different things. Um, but of course, the way that Atlanta is designed now with all the banking and being freshly repaved, it's going to be really, really fast. Um, and of course, it was created for this pack type racing that 550 was kind of going in the direction of. Well, now we're not doing that anymore everywhere. So Atlanta's kind of stuck in this middle ground and NASCAR's kind of trying to figure out what to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I'm interested to see, you know, they had the tire test at Atlanta um, last week. I'm interested to see what happens there because it, 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 it's just, there, it's such an un, unknown. It's a new track. It's a new car. Like, it's yes. just like, who knows? I mean, it, it is, in my opinion, it is the biggest, biggest question mark on the schedule this year. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just concerned with how narrow it is because if you're trying to pack race you want to provide a lot of grooves you want to be able to make the track wide which i know again people said oh it's as wide as charlotte motor speedway but we've never run something like this well i guess technically we did run the you know um restrictor plate all-star race in 2019 so i guess that's the closest comparison but my hang up on that is well we never saw racing more than like 20 laps in that so right while things were cool for a few laps and they could stay packed up What's it going to look like in Atlanta? We have a 500-mile race at Atlanta coming up. What's that going to look like 30, 40, 50 laps into a run? What's the tire fall-off going to be? Are these guys going to be able to pass? There's so many question marks, and I want my home racetrack to be viewed as the best racetrack on the schedule, and it has been for a long right. time with its ability to eat up tires and the great race that we saw there uh, back in July between the Bush brothers. Now, we're not going to have that type of racing anymore, obviously, um, but I hope it can still be seen as one of the better racetracks. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing is it's it's different, it's unique, yeah. um, and we'll just have we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, um, I know the Xfinity series was testing their standard horsepower package with the low downforce and everything. So you know maybe we're comparing notes here, saying okay maybe this is the better direction to go. Um, you know, and again we don't have a lot of time; they got to figure it out soon. Um, but it's still the the biggest question mark heading into this season. Right. Um, but as I was telling you before we started recording. If the trade-off to getting 670 and low and low downforce at the majority of tracks is making Atlanta into a third super speedway, I can live with that. Yeah, sign me up. Yeah, because it's that ends up being six races on the whole schedule out of 36 races. So the majority. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Lots of silly season news and uh, guys going to new teams. I think the biggest thing that's happened since we recorded last, Mars and M&Ms are leaving NASCAR at the end of this season. They've been in the sport since the late 90s. They've been the full-time sponsor for guys like Ken Schrader, Elliot Sadler, now most, most recently Kyle Busch, which I think Kyle Busch has become most well-known as the M&Ms guy since 2008 when he joined Joe Gibbs Racing. This is a huge sponsor leaving the sport in line with Lowe's, in line with Home Depot, target these other brands that have left the sport in the past five to six years a lot of these big names have retired and uh, mars is going to be the next one on the list yeah when i saw it it was the um it was the same reaction i had when lowe said they were leaving jimmy i mean yep. you know right now kyle bush is is the most accomplished driver in the sport 
mm-hmm. current driver. Um, I think he's at the peak of his game, you know, and, and for them to leave, it was just like, wow, okay. That did not see that one coming. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely a, a shot, but it sounds like Joe Gibbs knew this was coming. Yeah. Uh, Cause they've been searching for him sponsorship since last summer. Right. Um, so you know, he'll get something. I'm sure they'll land him something, but it's just going to be weird. Not, you know, Candyman Kyle just kind of, you know, when you think of, when you think of NASCAR, you think of the M&M's car and that immediately takes you to Kyle Busch, but we only got one more year of that. Yeah, and Joe Gibbs has a great relationship with his sponsors. I think you look at how long M&M's has been with him, how long FedEx has been with them, you know, he creates good relationships. I don't have any doubt they're going to be able to uh, find something, but but something that, and I heard Gluck and Bianchi talking about this on their podcast last week, this is a big blow to probably the biggest child-friendly sponsor in NASCAR. And there's not a whole lot of those anymore. And you talk about yeah. to appeal to this younger audience. Well, if you're watching a race and you can point out and say, hey, look, there's an M&M's car. Well, that kid, most kids like M&M's. They might cheer for that car. That might get them interested in racing. And now that's going to be gone. Now, how much is that going to affect the future of the sport? I don't really know. But it's one of those things that you don't really think about until it's gone saying, wow, there's not a whole lot of like kid-friendly sponsors on these cars anymore. Yeah, I mean, it sucks. I mean, there's no way around it. It sucks. But, you know, there'll be somebody else coming along and, and maybe somebody capitalizes on that. And, you know, this, again, kind of going back to Lowe's and Target and Home Depot, a lot of times when you have like a shift in upper management at these companies, I know Target's had a new CEO that took over and that's when they ultimately decided to leave Chip Ganassi Racing and they wanted to take their sponsorship to uh, MLS soccer, which that's what they did. Um, I think Lowe's had a change at the top when they left Jimmy. So likely there's some kind of change going on at the Mars corporation, um, that decided, you know, reevaluated where they were putting their sponsorship dollars and decided to take it elsewhere. Yeah. And they, they have every right to, you know, you, as a company, you, your goal is to, to spend your money in the best way possible to, to further promote your company. And right. if they don't feel like that's with Al Bush and, and NASCAR, then, then so be it. And I've always kind of wondered for a company like Mars, which is this global, huge candy company, they don't just make candy. They also make pedigree dog food. So that's not going to be on Kyle Bush's car anymore. Um, as, yeah. as well as a couple other things. Um, but I always kind of wonder like with a company that huge and Coca-Cola the same way, you know, what is their return on investment for investing in a sport like NASCAR spending $20, $30 million on a season for sponsoring a guy like Kyle Busch, you know, do, do they see any effect on that, on their sales at all? Which, you know, that's a whole nother rabbit hole we can get down, but that's something that's always been curious to me. Yeah. And I'm sure with them getting out, they, they don't believe the invest, they don't believe it's a smart investment. I mean, yeah. you know, if it was bringing them in, you know, billions of dollars a year, you don't jump out of it. Cause nobody wants to, leave money behind so the, there could be a reason why i mean obviously with a financially driven right but that's the thing can you even notice that like if i were to go to the mars corporation right exactly, now, yeah say, okay where can you show me the money that this nascar sponsorship is bringing in considering all the avenues and all the outreach they have would they be able to like pinpoint that i'm not exactly sure yeah i don't know how you could i mean like you said it's a global company it's not like um you know the mon pa you know chicken shop where it's like you know, like we got a place down the road that's called canton feed and it's like you know if they they 
put their thing on on Kyle Busch's car, and then their sales went up. It's like, yeah. okay, well, we know where that came from, but yeah. Mars being this global corporation, who knows? And and kind of going back to what I said about the the shift that maybe management at the top of the Mars Corporation, you know, the NASCAR boomed in the 90s and it peaked in the 2000s where, you know, we were having, you know, uh, 10, 15 million people watching the Daytona 500 every year. And it was just at the peak of its popularity. Well, the more people are watching, the more that that kind of outreach goes to where you have a better chance of somebody in a Fortune 500 company being a fan of the sport. As the popularity has shrunk, and again, I think we've gotten past the the bottom we're starting to build ourselves back up but it's not as popular as it used to be so the the chances of these you know ceos these major executives these huge corporations and companies being a fan of the sport is a lot less likely than it used to be and i think now we're kind of seeing the residual effects of that as these big name sponsors are starting to leave right yeah i agree um and when you think about big name sponsors that are left in the sport there's not not a whole lot of them, at least ones that invest almost into a full season, like with Napa and Chase Elliott, obviously. Denny Hamlin still runs FedEx pretty much every single race, every single year. Um, you know, Bass Pro Shops has a large investment in the sport, but Johnny Morris is just a huge race fan, and he always has been. Um, and hopefully he's around with us for a long time where he continues to do that. Um, but yeah, these right. big, like, these just ultimately recognizable brands aren't as prevalent as they used to be. Right. So. I'm interesting to see how that changes. And, you know, I wonder what the next gen car and obviously there's going to be limits on how many cars you can have. And obviously the parts and pieces are going to be coming from a single manufacturer. Obviously right away, it's not going to save the teams a ton of money, but in five to eight years, what's the budget for a competitive cup series team going to look like? I think that could also affect things. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the price of sponsorship would go down. Yeah. You know, theoretically. Theoretically. We'll see. I know they've talked about, in implementing a spending cap which i don't know how you could regulate that for nascar teams but yeah I, it, it obviously it's, again it's not something that's going to happen overnight it's going to take time right speaking of sponsorship oh my goodness the saga of brandon brown has turned this way that way and every single other way and we still don't have a final resolution on it no. <laughs> and i kind of wanted to avoid talking about this till we kind of knew what was going to happen with it but oh my goodness could this have gone any worse for Brandon Brown and Brandon Belt Motorsports? No. No, I mean, it, I mean, I, it's just, it's so frustrating because I like Brandon Brown. Mm. You know, it's just, it seems like a, you know, just a good guy. But it's like, I don't know. I, I just, I don't like people who go back on their word and, for him to say, you know, I don't, I don't want, I think he read, I don't the New York times an op-ed or something where he was like, you know, I, I don't want this to be about, obviously we know what let's go Brandon means. Okay. Yeah. But it's like, he said, I don't want it. To, I don't want it to be like that. And then to just bring this, let's go Brandon Bitcoin on. And it's like, yeah. what do you do? And that's the thing. Money drives this sport. Yeah literally drives this sport so I, I i can't fault him for finding a sponsor that will sponsor the entire year but it's like it's just so weird i mean it's just i don't even know what should have happened so he wins the race at talladega we have the front stretch interview where all this goes sideways kelly stavis misunderstanding what the 
<clears throat> crowd was chanting and here we are so many months later where it's become where it's become this its own animal a monster on its own what they should have done was trademark that phrase as soon as they could because yep. people make t-shirts hats stickers it, it's everywhere it, it's far exceeded the nascar world to where i i if if i had to guess most people probably do not know that it came from nascar just oh, no. yes <laughs> um so it's become this own animal its own monster and what Brandon Brown and his team realized too late, obviously, was that they couldn't capitalize on it anymore because it had gone off in its own direction. It had become too big. They couldn't capitalize on it and make it what they wanted it to be if they wanted it to be something. And I feel like that's what they were trying to do with this L, um, LGB coin. But I think the intentions of the company that's doing it weren't the same. I, I don't think they were seeing eye to eye on what this relationship was going to be. No, there was a huge disconnect between the two. Yeah. A huge disconnect. And like, as soon as it came out, like we texted each other and we were like, what? <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm not, I'm not a, I don't invest in crypto. I don't fully understand how all this works. I know the fluctuation of the value of these kind of coins goes up and down. And the idea would be to generate enough interest in it where it's going to go up and make people money. I don't know how, it's going to generate enough money to fund the sponsorship that this team would need for an entire season. And maybe an expert could key, us, could key in with us and tell us how it would work, but I just don't understand it. Yeah. Well, I, it's, okay, so that's part of it. And obviously it has become a political statement. Yeah. So NASCAR has been trying to get away from that. I think, you know, there's just this big, like, I think this is going to be a lawsuit for somebody. Probably. Just and it'll end up going to court, and they'll have to they'll have to settle on it. Because at this point, I mean, like you said, there's no real clear cut resolution now. But last I heard was that he can't use that on his car, but he can use like a personal agreement or something. Which is what he's going to do. There's still going to be a personal relationship and a personal agreement. What that means and how he endorses that, I don't exactly know. But yes, the Let's Go Brandon coin will not be on the car, um, and you know, NASCAR. NASCAR has not formally banned political sponsorships, but they've really leaned that way over these past couple of years. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I think the, the biggest thing, when you look at the original, and I, I think it was the, whoever the guy was that runs this Let's Go Brandon Coin thing, kind of released like what the documents and the statements were from NASCAR as they were discussing this. And somewhere at the bottom, it's like NASCAR can change their mind at any point in time and revoke this. And like, again, is that, a good business practice, maybe not necessarily, but again, NASCAR runs the show. If they want to change something at the last minute, they're allowed to do that. Yeah. Yeah. They're allowed to. So again, if there was approval and then they were, we didn't know that's what you were doing. So I don't know. I think this is just, this will continue to be the talk. I think through the next couple of months till it's resolved. And the unfortunate thing, obviously when all this happened back in October, Brandon Brown became less attractive to sponsors because yep. he was he was Brandon. He was associated with this directly. Now again, it's taken on a life of its own. Maybe that's not as big of a problem in that context. But now you've had this PR stunt blow up in your face to where his sponsor that was sponsoring him at that Talladega race is no longer going to be a sponsor in Larry's Hard Lemonade. So now even yep. these legitimate sponsors that have been with him for a long time are seeing, okay. We don't want to be associated with this. We're a smaller company. This could blow up in our face. Let's take a step back. 
we don't want to be associated with him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and you go from, you know, it's crazy. He goes from having a season fully funded by, you know, this cryptocurrency company to losing sponsors. And we're a month away from Daytona, and he does not have any formal funding for this season right now. No. So, do they, do they make it to Daytona? I don't know. It's a question. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, and I don't know how the, the personal – relationship thing agreement works but i mean could they fund could they funnel him in money and just put brandon belt motorsports on this i mean i don't know how that works but that'd be my only guess of how they'll be able to keep the car afloat and we've seen a rise in crypto sponsoring teams over these past couple years and it reminds me a lot, and I think it was uh, Doug Turnbull tweeted this a couple days ago. It reminds me a lot of like the energy drink boom at like the end of the 2000s, early 2010s, where all these random energy drinks were sponsoring, comp- or were sponsoring teams. You go back to the you know, turn of the century, all these dot-coms were sponsoring teams. There's no more famous example than Lycos and Johnny Benson not paying for like half of a season on a Cup Series car. So... Mm-hmm. I think when you're dealing with these cryptocurrency companies, there's a lot of potential for shady business practices. So even if this full sponsorship would have been approved, they may have gotten half the season and realized the bills weren't being paid. And then suddenly they're running blank race race cars. So I don't, and I think it was Bailey Curry tweeted something the other day about, um, you know, they had a crypto sponsor in 2018 that was supposed to be for the full season and they didn't even make it three races in before the checks started bouncing. So and again, I don't fully understand cryptocurrency, but to me, it's a little shady, and I don't, I don't trust it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I agree. I'm right there with you. So may, maybe this is a benefit for Brandon Belt Motorsports in the long run, but as of right now, they're still having to figure a lot of things out a month before the season starts. Yeah, they just they look like they look dumb right now. I mean, just put it bluntly. Pretty, pretty dumb. <laughs> Uh, Speaking of somebody that made himself look dumb, and I didn't think it was going to be racing anything in 2022, Matt Benedetto has secured a full-time ride in the Camping World Truck Series with Rackley War Racing running the 25 truck. Again, I didn't think we were going to see this guy for a while. He found a full-time team. It's a big step back from running Penske equipment in the Cup Series, though. It's a huge step back, but but when he stepped in a pile, you know what? And I mean, what do you exactly? I, I think he's just he should act that even has a ride, yeah. Um, yeah, because obviously he doesn't have any sponsorship, you know, to bring to the table, so he had to go to a team which Rackley Roofing funds the team, it is their team, so obviously they're fully sponsored in that regard. Um, but yeah, that's the kind of operation he was going to have to go to. And as we got closer and closer to the season, all the Cup Series ride filled, all the Cup Series rides filled up, all the Xfinity Series rides filled up. Um, and really all the good truck series rides are filled up. This one isn't exactly one that's going to be competing for race wins and championships outside of maybe a super speedway or something like that. This team ran has only run one season and they had one top 10 with Josh Berry. So he's not exactly coming into a team that's going to get him in the final four at Phoenix. Right. So, but for a guy like Benedetto, something's better than nothing. Um, he's what he's, is he 30? Is he past 30? He's right around 30. I know that much. Yeah. Um, but I think his time in the Cup Series has come and gone. And, again, when you had three seasons in Joe Gibbs Racing and Penske-level equipment, 
and the best thing you did was almost win a race at Bristol, you know, I think you've proven what you can do in the Cup Series, and I, I don't, I, I doubt he's going to be back up there. Yeah, I think he may eventually, but it, it won't be any, it won't be in a big ride. Maybe a one-off, like, you know, a part-time team that wants to run super speedways or something like that, because he's a good super speedway racer. Um, maybe Beard Motorsports or something in the future, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I think his days as a full-time Cup Series driver have come and gone. Um, now, could he go on to have a long career in the Truck Series as one of these, you know, mid-pack guys that maybe jumps up there and wins a race every couple of years? Sure. And plenty of guys have, have done that. Um, but I don't, I don't see him being – in championship level equipment at Rackley War Racing. No, no. So, but good for him for finding a ride though. Yeah, I guess. Now, is this, how long is this going to last? Because again, this is a team that funds itself. You know, it's a roofing company and I don't know what their financials are. They've only been around for a year, you know. How long are they going to be around? Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's the question mark. But again, it's at least, at least he's got a paycheck coming in. Better than nothing. Which, it's funny. So, I don't know if you ever listened to his podcast, the Not Another Racing podcast they started last year. But throughout the entire – What's that? Sometimes. So, throughout last year as they were doing this podcast until they stopped it, like, during the summertime, um, he was always talking about, like, building a new house. And I'm wondering how much that house cost him. And now that he's not going to have a Cup Series paycheck coming in – you know what? What's that financial situation going to look like? Better hope it's be, better hope it's paid for. Yeah. So uh, you know, again, I, I thought he had committed career suicide with everything that went down with him within the last season, but he found his footing at least somewhere. Yeah. Uh, somebody that's in a lot better position than Matt Benedetto, though, is Ryan Priest, who uh, we haven't. Well, we've been kind of going back and forth on what he was going to do. For the 2020 season, a lot of people thought he was going to go full-time in the truck series. Of course, JHD Doherty Racing went down to one car um, as they cut the 37 car, which wasn't even a charter team last year, but they still managed to run the entire season. But he managed to land a deal with Stuart Haas Racing to be basically a reserve driver in the Cup Series. So he's going to have two, he's going to have two races this year, which I believe are the Coke 600 and Dover. Um, he's going to run three Xfinity Series races with a uh, unnamed team. It might end up being BJ McLeod or something like that. And then he's going to run seven Truck Series races, um, which are a mix of different tracks. Um, I don't have to list all of them. Um, but I think this has been a really good move for him because it gets him with a top flight team. It gets him the opportunity to kind of run, go out there and chase trophies. Um, now what car he's going to race in the cup series, I don't know, but it's going to be a Stuart Haas prepared car. Uh, the Xfinity car is going to be a Stuart Haas prepared car. I think he's going to run the truck series race with David Gilland racing, which he won with at Asheville last year. So this is kind of goes back to what he did back in 2017, 2018, where he took a little bit of sponsorship money. And instead of running a full season with Johnny Davis motorsports, went to Joe Gibbs racing and actually won races with it. And that's gotten yeah. where he is today. And then literally minutes before this podcast started recording, we found out that Eric Almirola is retiring at the end of this year. So that answers the question of, oh, that's what he's going to do in 2023. Yeah, because when, when that news first came out about Priest, you're like, okay, well, who's leaving? Well, I don't think it's going to be Cutter or Briscoe. We know Harvick's got a contract through 2023. 
Well, Eric Almirola, I mean, he's back. He's got Smithfield. And then, like you said, they dropped the bomb this morning. So, yeah. I think we know the replacement in the 10 is going to be. Yeah. And this is kind of, I guess we can call this the Alex Bowman route to where now Alex Bowman did not yeah. necessarily choose this route. He was just tapped to be the replacement for Dale Jr. when he was out with this concussion, split time with Jeff Gordon in 2016, obviously. But he went into 2017 without anything. He didn't know what he was going to be doing. He signs to be the simulator driver for Hendrick Motorsports. He runs the clash for Dale Jr. in Dale Jr.'s place in 2017, runs a couple of Xfinity Series races, wins one of them with Chip Ganassi racing at um, Charlotte later on that year. But he just pieced these things together and waited around until that opportunity came to run the uh, 88 car full-time, and look where he is now. Yeah. Sometimes you take a, you got to take a chance on yourself. Yeah. And pays off. And Ryan Priest is a guy that's been well-respected for his talents for a long time. He's been an incredible modified racer in the Northeast. Um, of course, he's gotten the opportunity to win races at the Xfinity Series level and the Truck Series level already. He's managed by KHI management, so it makes a lot of sense that he ended up signing with Stuart Haas Racing. And I know that Tony Stewart and Kevin Harvick have been very, very high on a guy like Ryan Priest. Um, so now he's going to get his opportunity to, to formally join Stuart Haas Racing full-time, most likely next year, driving the 10 car. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see, you know, if if he turns this into a long career with Stuart Haas or if this is going to be, you know, because when Alex Bowman, you know, the, comparison, the easy comparison is Alex Bowman, yeah. you know, like Ed. And, um, I'll be interested, you know, Bowman's turned this into a really good relationship with Hendrick Motorsports and Ally. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see if Priest can do the same thing. Yeah, and that's the big question mark is Smithfield's obviously been tied to Eric Almirola for over a decade now. So it's like, okay, is, are they going to stay? Are they going to, you know, are they going to back out of NASCAR once the season ends, you know, like Mars is going to be doing? Um, I don't know. I guess that's the negotiation that's going to be ongoing. Um, but we'll see. But but I have a lot of confidence that Priest is going to be driving that 10 car no matter what next year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, a couple, a few more smaller things in relation to the Eric Amarillo announcement. Uh, Drew Blickensturfer, I guess it, it was around December, I guess, announced that he was leaving Front Row Motorsports um, to pursue a bigger opportunity. We've now found out that bigger opportunity is actually being Eric Amarillo's crew chief, replacing Mike Bugaravich on the uh, 10 team. So for Drew Blickensturfer, great opportunity. Um, kind of weird to have a new crew chief and a driver going to be going out, but you know, that's, that is what it is. Um, but Blickensturfer has been a guy that's been around for a long time. He's had success with guys like Matt Kenseth. So I think, um, I think this is a good positive step for the SHR team. Yeah. And I think it's a really good move for Blickensturfer as well. I mean, to, to get into a, look, Stuart Haas didn't have, did not have a good season last year. Yeah. Okay. I that, but we know when they're, when they're clicking on all cylinders, they, they're a top flight team. So It'll be interesting to see how quickly they can return to that. And look, I mean, maybe he comes in and it takes a little bit of time, and maybe he and Almirola don't gel at all. But then he'll get that fresh start with one would think Ryan Priest starting in 2023. Well, and I think for a guy like Blickenstrup for going to a new team in this season specifically is everybody's going to be learning. Everybody's going to be figuring out this new car at the same time. So maybe it won't be as much of an uphill battle, you know, going to a new team where everybody else already knows things about this car and stuff like that. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Right. Uh, Speaking of crew chiefs, 
Uh, Luke Lambert going to be going to the JRM 9 car to work with Noah Gregson this season. Luke Lambert's obviously had a lot of success at the Cup Series level. He's done very well with Richard Childress Racing. Um, you know, Noah Gregson's a guy that's obviously coming to his own, had a good strong end to last year. Um, I think this is only going to help him out. Yeah. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is having a guy that's got the cup experience, I think, is huge. Have a top of the box for you. Yeah, well, especially now as you know, Noah Gregson transitions into being a part-time cup series driver with college racing, having that relationship with a guy like that's only going to be a positive for him. Yeah. So, well, I think we managed to run through all the news that's been going on, unless something's happened in the 40 minutes since we've been talking here. And you know what it may have? Actually, I should probably check Twitter just to double check and make sure nothing has happened. Hold on. <laughs> For real. Next thing you know, we've got breaking news, breaking news. It's like, yeah. It's often because there's been no. Yeah, let's, let's see if old Bob has anything to say here. Uh, okay, it looks like nothing's happened. But, hey, things can always change. Mm-hmm. Quickly. So I guess, you know, now that we're into the new year and all the holidays and stuff have passed, we can kind of get back to a little bit more regularity with doing this on a week-in, week-out basis. And, again, we're less than a month away from kicking off with the Clash. Yeah, it'll be here before we know it. Can't wait. So for Dalton Mullinax, I'm Tyler Head. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Upspeed Podcast. We'll catch you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.